This Off the Hazel podcast is now driven by Delari Nissan Regina. Nissan. He gave it away. Coulter scores. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 35 Off the Hosel. This is a Matthew Wolf podcast as he is number 35 on the FedEx Cup standing slash rankings. My name is Drew Koser and as always I'm your host. My social media handles are Koser Drew on Twitter and Instagram and I am joined by my co-host, as always my brother from the same mother, Troy McClure Koser. His handles are Coaster Troy on Twitter and at Yortco on Instagram. Wow. Give us a follow if you want to. And if, if you don't, that's fine too. Uh, no Reverend Dan in the house today. He is working, which is quite all right. Got to pay the bills, brother. That is true. Uh, but his handles are at Daniel Hagel5 uh, on Instagram and at DHAGZ on Twitter. Miss you, Rev. Miss you. <sighs> it's not Sunday. Where is he? He's working. He's working. He's working. Okay. And also in the house, as per usual, we expect him to be here. Christian Massway, our new camera guy. Christian! His handles are at Christian Massaway on Instagram. He takes some good photos. I look a lot slimmer. No, I don't. I'm still fat. And I still have one eyebrow. You do. But you're a grinder. <laughs> Speaking of that, of that Troy, um, before we get into everything here today... I want to personally applaud you for a hell of a battle that you went through over the last year. The surgeries, the shitty days, the good days, the uncertainty. I truly am so proud of you, man. The, the perseverance and the drive truly hit me, and I think a lot of other people as well. I'm happy you got some great news today. Congrats, bro, on battling the toughest battle you may ever fight in your life. Golf clap. Thanks, Drew. Uh, yeah, caught me off guard with that one. Uh, it's been an emotional day, as it's Tuesday today as we're recording for Wednesday's podcast. Uh, yeah, had my last treatment today and uh, found out my CT scan came back clean again. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the home stretch here. I'm done. I, uh, I got to ring the shit out of that bell today, and I did it for, you know, family, friends. I know a lot of people have been following my story. You know, I'm trying to be somewhat of a hope and inspiration to other people that are dealing with this. And uh, I rang that bell as loud as I could so everybody could hear it. So, um, yeah, you kind of sprung that on me. Um, Sorry, bro, but that, that's... No, no, that's okay. It's been a tough 16 months, and like I said, family, friends. And I'm, I'm going to throw a plug to my wife because she's the strongest person I know, and Jill's been beside me this whole time and deserves a hell of a lot of credit be, because of her strength and... Uh, yeah, thanks. I, I yeah, thanks, brother. Love you. Absolutely, man. That's um, oh, great news. I was you know slaving away at work today, and I'm not gonna sit here and lie, and lie, lie to everyone here that uh, I cried a little bit in my office, and fuck, man. You it's know, been, what? it's been a good day. Yeah, you know what? Fuck cancer. 
Um, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, cancer and fuck cancer, let's uh, quickly right away rip off the sweaters. Yeah, well, I mean, all our listeners know, uh, and anybody that's following our social media channels, <clears throat> we got the off the hosel sweater, the crew neck sweaters, uh, gray and black, any size you want, and uh, 40 bucks a pop, but, you know, we're donating $5 from each sweater to the uh, Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. And I know we've had a lot of orders of sweaters. They will be coming in. We found out first part of September. So don't think we're taking your money and running. Uh, we've got everybody's name in a database. We've got check marks who's paid. Uh, if you guys want one, again, just contact Drew, myself, Daniel. Uh, we have all our social media options that you guys can get a hold of us. And love for you guys to order a sweater. They're beautiful sweaters, by the way. And, uh, again, it goes to a really good cause. It's very, very close to my heart. So, yeah. Boom. Absolutely. Okay. Well, now let's, uh, let's talk about our weekends. Now let's, uh, brighten this day up as well as, you know, the good news you had today. Let's talk about, uh, your weekend first. <sighs> you know, I had to ask Jill today. I said, what the hell did we do this past weekend? It's just been such a gong show, especially today. Like my, my brain is kind of fuzzy. Uh, I, I had my last treatment today. Um, we did some more, a little bit of house stuff looking around. Like I said, we've been dealing with the flooded basement, which is coming along awesome, by the way. Um, nice. No golf. Uh, I know we had a, a family barbecue on Sunday, which was nice. Yeah, it was fun. To get everybody together. Um, what else did we do? Well, I, yeah, my, my daughter's moving home. So nice. I, that was a big part of my weekend was getting her back home. And uh, <sighs> our house is a gong show, dude. We don't have a basement, so we have... We have three people living upstairs now, plus a dog, plus my daughter's cat now, and I'm allergic to cats. Me too. And they must get along real well dodging it's cats, It's funny eh? because I always said I hated cats, and Jenea and Jill both said that cats always go to people that they know don't like them, and I'm like, yeah, that's BS. Well, well it's true. For the last, let's see, so Nea came home on Friday, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, last five days. That cat is sleeping on me in the middle of the night. He wants to play and this and that. And I'm just like, get away from me. But he's, his name's Joey, but I call him Joseph. Joseph is starting to grow on me. So anyways, that was my, I don't like that, cats. That, I know, I know you don't. And you don't like dogs that much either because you're a little timid around chaos. So anyways, this isn't a dog and cat podcast. Say. <laughs> you, you got a rabbit, so. I don't have a rabbit. You, no, I don't have a rabbit. My gal has a rabbit that I'm also alerted to. No. Uh, but again, this is not a, a pet. That's uh, right. Pet so store that podcast. was my weekend in a nutshell. Um, how was your weekend? I mean, I will be honest. Now we're going to talk about it really soon in the future here. But I did watch a lot of golf, and I know we're going to get to that. So yeah, that's, that's one thing I did do this weekend. You? How was your weekend? What did you get up to? Uh, I'm sure the listeners want to know what the uh, the younger brother was up to. What kind of tomfoolery you got into? So uh, let's hear it. Yeah. No, it was. Um it was a good weekend. It was Friday morning. I left at 4:45 to Saskatoon. Uh, I was meeting my gal up there to meet, you know, hang out with her family and, and see them. I haven't seen them in a while, so it was good to get up there. Uh, I took the brand new whip. You know, obviously this podcast is brought to you by Nissan Regina. Um, took it's a the new whip. Beautiful vehicle. Oh man, it, I was driving all the way up there. This thing was like, you know, that game on that go. The, the, uh, if I can try and explain this well enough, like the white slash and the white slash and the ball, it goes. You know, that old game back in the old days? Like, like you, Pong? Yeah, Pong. <laughs> so I was driving like that at 5 in the morning, like just going <laughs> side to side. It was just driving itself. And it was like I was had it on the steering assist, and it was like, I'm like, this is bananas. I was going crazy. But I went up there to play golf at uh, Riverside Golf and Country Club. 
Robert Clumbies, the GM there, got got me out there to play with my good buddy Connor Gay. Um, yeah, we had a great time. We played with two elderly men, good guys, uh, 83 and 85, I think, 80, 81, 85. And man, these guys were like straight as an arrow. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I looked at Connor, I'm like, who the hell are these guys? They're just pew, 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 just straight. And it was funny. The one guy's like on 18. Anyways, the course is in great shape, right? Unbelievable shape. It's all. It's one of the best courses in Saskatchewan, if not the best. And only only course out of Saskatchewan that's in the top 100 of I think Bob Weeks, formerly the top 100 golf can, I think. Yeah. Uh, so great course, but we're playing, and this one guy. He, I mean, he takes very generous uh, jimmies. I don't care. We weren't playing for money. But it was comical to watch this. This is great content. And this guy was had like four footers on every hole. And, and he just picked them up. And I'm like, oh, what, the, what are you doing, bro? He's like, ah, oh, it's good for par. I'm like, you're kidding. So then on 18, he has a little five-footer left to right slider. I ain't making that putt. I'm making probably two-putt par or bogey. He walks up. He slowly struts up there and goes, oh, that's good for 82. <laughs> My kind of golfer. I have a 30-footer for birdie. I'm like, What? I'd be lucky to hit it inside your ball for a gimme, but uh, good company, great guys. Actually, the one guy that was there was Barry, I believe his name was. He is a national or former national golf rules official, and he wasn't calling his buddy out for the four foot gimme. No, he was like, I, I think uh, what's his name? Bah, for his name, he's like, I think he's in a hurry today. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, we played eighteen holes in three hours, so yeah, you you think he had somewhere to go? Maybe he had a lunch date, but um, great time up there. I had a lot of fun playing up with uh, Gazer. We both shot 73. We didn't make a ton of putts. Um, good time. Had a good meal. And, yeah, good weekend with, uh, with the gal and her family. Um, then, they, yeah, we had the barbecue on Sunday, too, which was good. So, But, uh, you know, speaking of golf, Drew, and golf weekend, we are a golf podcast. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Divots Indoor Golf. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all, we all know the short summers in Saski, so what better way to keep your golf game up to par during the colder months we're all so used to here then heading on down to divots indoor golf check them out on social media at indoors golf located on rochdale boulevard in regina sask make divots at divots less walking more talking divots indoor golf well that was great well after you just talked about divots indoor golf let's talk about outside golf in the pga last week oh what a you know uh, sorry quickly before we go into this we had we had a pull out not many people cared to hear about it, but we'll do a quick little chat about what happened. We were watching at home. No, uh, we are going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. We were watching um, at mom and dad's. Well, okay, go on. We were until you decided to go have a little putting contest with your gal there and miss yeah. and miss two of the nicest putts I've ever seen. She's seen her. She made like nine in a row for six <laughs> feet. I'm like, who is this person? Yeah, she made under. Anyways, go on. Sorry. No, I was just saying you missed the putts. I mean, they like the Dustin Johnson one. You got to remember, we're sitting there with mom and dad and aunt, sister, brother, blah 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 blah. Grandma. And a lot of people that you know they 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 watch it on TV. Yeah, okay, but they don't get that excited when DJ made that putt. What was that? I I I can't remember what they said it was. It was forty-eight footer or whatever. But he was uphill, yeah. turned left, turned right, dropped in the hole. I just about jumped out of the bloody seat. I was like, yes, like I couldn't believe that putt. You know, <laughs> I mean. And then to follow it up, it goes to a playoff, right? I don't know if we're supposed to be talking about this right now, but I'm on a roll, so I'm just. It's perfect. Going. I love it. But yeah, you don't. And they don't. They hate us because they ain't us. Other word. Exactly. <laughs> no. So you got DJ that nails that putt, and Rombo's on the on the driving on the driving range, and he's he's just just in case, and he hears the roar. Now you got to remember, 
there's not a lot of people there. There's 15 people there. <laughs> but he heard it. He knew something happened. Okay, we're going to a playoff. You know, uh, DJ push, pushes it into the bush, or not the bush, but into the rough on the right side. And Rombo, beautiful drive, right down the middle over top of the trees. They both put it on the green. I don't think either of them were very happy about no. where they were on the they're, green. They're to 10 pots to move on, yeah. And I know Rombo was away, and only because I watched the highlights so many times. It was 66.8 feet, almost 67 feet. He hits his putt, and he's actually walking away from it, and he's watching and watching and watching, and all of a sudden he knows it's going in. And to see that reaction, again, I jumped. I love Rombo. I, I, I love JR. He's awesome. I love him. And I like DJ. You know, and then DJ makes his putt and damn near made it too. And it was another long yeah. putt. But I mean, yeah. You know, and speaking of Rom, he was penalty stroke the day before, right? And what did he say? I hope I, I don't lose by one shot. Yeah. And damn near did. <laughs> but you know, the guy grinded all day. Played on well. Sunday. And I mean, what a tough track. How about the change of scenery from scoring minus 30 to minus, was it four or five? Four? Four. But I would have had a chance two weekends ago. Plus one. I was I was in the money. Me and kids were yeah, close. You're T you're T twenty five. You're taking yeah. home a big check. One of the big checks from Happy yeah. Gilmore. But yeah, um, no, it was a, it was a good tournament. A fun track. I mean, they, they were talking about it. How hard that course was. And I mean, the greens. You see how fast they were. Oh, it was like putting on a glass uh, glass table. Oh, it was incredible. But yeah. Okay. Well, quickly before we go into our uh, our golf picks for this week and our golf chatter. Um, Kate Johnson writes in last week to ask about my putting grip. This is about the club championship. He asked, what is that a sorcery or sorcery of my putting grip I have? Well, I'll tell you quickly here. Um, that putting grip, in the photo, it looks like I have a terrible grip. I actually have, if you don't know me, and if you do know me, I got really big hands. Yeah. Like Hulk hands. So, and a putter grip in my hands looks like a pencil. Okay. So I got big hands, and I'm doing the Tiger Woods grip. Right. Right, really big hands, okay? I do the Tiger Woods, so it's right hand, and then my left trigger finger, or my pointer, goes on the outside of my right pinky. Very standard grip that Tiger Woods uses. It works for me. You're judging the photo without knowing how big my hands are, Cade, and you know that. So um, that's your question. I have big mitts, <laughs> and you, if I could literally crush someone's head with my hands. Yeah, he's got big hands. <laughs> I got big feet. It's a coaster thing. Well, do you want to move in now to our golf chat for this week? Yeah, I think we should. Here comes the money. Here we go. Degenerate section brought to you by Vice Golf. $2 golf balls. Get them now. Hit them hard. Hit them long. Vicegolf.com. Isn't it www.vicegolf.com? No, it's AAA. Of course, it's www.vicegolf.com. I love it. Well, there's no Revan here today, and he didn't even text us. We're going to make so. his picks for him, and he's no, we're just going to send the money. Or is it just you and I splitting today? Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, yeah, we'll do that for him. Uh, you got your pick ready? I do. Okay. I'm going with two two players. By the way there, Drew, do you know where we're playing? We're playing in. Rita. Rita's down. Little FedEx Championship this weekend. Nice. Nice. 
Who are your picks? Let's do, uh, you know what, let's do Rev's picks first for him. Well, let's just hit the randomizer here. <laughs> We're going to make him pay us $20 on... I'm going to select for him... Mbappa, Mbappa, Mbappa. Daniel Berger. $20 You're bet pays out $580. <laughs> You're kidding. That's who he's taking. That's who I was taking. <laughs> but now, okay. now, no, that's fine. I'm going to move on now. Okay. Okay, so the Reverend is in at $20 for $580 on Daniel Berger. Yep. Uh, Drew, myself, will be taking Victor Hovland, Ooh. $20 to pay out 3020 Holy mother of Jesus. Going for the big cash. And I'm going to select two guys because that's how I roll. So I'm going to throw... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to... I'm throwing... I'm throwing ten bucks on a on a former t- tour winner that I selected in Colin Morikawa for nice. a payout of two hundred and ten dollars, and the other guy I'm going to select because we got his caddy on the show today is Mister Webb Simpson. Ten dollars, hundred and twenty dollar return. I like those picks. I think we're in luck. We've had a good week so far. Let's see where it takes us. I think now. After our golf talk now, I think we should send it over to our guest today, which is Webb Simpson's caddy, Mr. Paul Tesori. Are you tired of the same old spice, rum, and coke, or any other basic mixed drink? Well, we want to change that. Here at Off the Hazel Crew, we are proud supporters of Last Mountain Distillery. They got so many good choices that will change your world. Just some off the top of our head. Last Mountain Distillery Whiskey, Rum, Dill Petro Vodka, Root Beer Schnapps, and now new, Apple Pie Moonshine. If you haven't already checked out Last Mountain Distillery, for all your mixed bevy needs, Last Mountain Distillery, no questions asked. Alrighty, we are pleased to be joined by another caddy on the PGA Tour with the number four player in the world. He has been with Webb Simpson since 2011. He's very well liked on tour. Mr. Paul Tesori, thank you for joining the podcast today, Paul. Yes, uh... Uh, man, thank you for having me on. Uh, anytime I get to geek out on golf and not drive my wife crazy, I'm always <laughs> going to take that opportunity. And usually if I'm talking to you guys, it means we're playing pretty good golf, which obviously Webb has been doing for a little while now. Yeah, and the way that he's been playing, and we're, we're super happy to have you on the show. Um, quickly, I want to know, and Troy does too, how are things with you? What's new in your world? Um, how's this whole... COVID-19, golf, you know, <laughs> playoffs. What's going on in your brain and in yeah. the world of golf? Yeah, how's your nasal passage? Yeah, for, <laughs> yes, for sure. First of all, man, it feels good to be back. Um, and I, I definitely uh, don't think we take it for granted uh, week by week. Uh, you know, we have those tests done every week out here on tour. And so when they're reaching that swab up into your brain um, once a week, it's a reminder that we live in much different times. <laughs> Uh, than we did when they called us uh, out on a Friday the 13th is when things uh, hit the halt here and good movie uh, in the states in the PGA Tour. Uh, yep, uh, March 13th. So uh, you know, there's there's been a lot. I gained too much weight and my back had enough of that. So my back went out and I missed the tournament for the first time in my life. I missed a weekend in Memphis and then the first major of the year at the PGA and that that was hard for me to take. It was uh, difficult being home. Um, but since uh, a new program, thankfully, uh, I do need uh, surgery, at least structurally, but I have a lot of people that believe we can stay off the table, off the knife, uh, and just lose some weight. So I've lost about 20 pounds in the last uh, month and just uh, working out, stretching, trying to get the core stronger and the back stronger. So 
Uh, Health-wise, we're turning it around. That was uh, awful sitting at home watching my man play golf, and I don't think my wife liked it very much either. I was driving her up uh, up the wall. <laughs> you know, so, so we're gonna take we're gonna take care of ourselves a little better this point forward. Forty-eight uh, that I am now. I was eating like a fifteen-year-old, and those two things don't go hand in hand. So uh, we're, we're gonna get that switch pretty soon and uh, and get going. So this diet that you're on now and this training program, do you want to send it my way? Because I'm a little doughy on this side over here in Saskatchewan. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just on the, a little bit of the old school uh, uh, diet, just kind of on, on the low-carb side and just getting in the gym and uh, doing a lot of yoga, which I didn't think I'd be doing. I would have made fun of myself 30 years ago, but now <laughs> I'm doing it uh, at least twice a day. So. Um, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. It was uh, it was hard enough being home during you know the COVID nineteen shutdown, watching the bank account go down week by week by week. But then when you're home and you're watching and you're like, oh, that, that's not good. They're out. They're out working right now. I need to join them too. So <laughs> I don't think I will fall off the eating wagon anytime soon. Well, so well, so, we're on different paths, and I love carbs. Sorry, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, Paul. Oh, I love them. I'm just not eating them. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Paul, you know, all our listeners were looking forward to hearing from you last week. And, you know, we, we had the delay, obviously. I know Webb withdrew from the BMW and you went home to spend some much needed time with your family. Um, how was that? And, and, and to piggyback that question is, where are you talking to us from right now? Yeah, so um, to start off, yeah, you know, Weber. Um, one of his kids had surgery the week before and she just wasn't healing as well as they had hoped. And he felt really bad, even being on the road for the weekend in Boston. Um, and so just getting home on that Monday and Tuesday, the week of, uh, Chicago, which was last week at, uh, Olympia fields. And he just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do as a husband and a dad to get back mm-hmm. on the road. And, you know, one thing about Webb and we, we talk all the time, uh, out on tour and, and with other and other arenas, just how important his faith is to him and being a dad and a husband. And, and he just follows through. He's a guy, you know, some people kind of talk that talk, but they don't walk it. Yeah. And Weber's a walker. Uh, and to sit home, obviously, and lose a spot and, you know, potentially uh, $15 million at the end of it. And for him, uh, that wasn't a thought. It, it was a thought. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to make him believe like he's not human, but – for him, it didn't outweigh the, the other things. You know, we were talking about my health and for Webb being healthy as well, trying to get out. And, Troy, uh, don't you have a little bit of health news to share with us, too, while we're just now getting going wow. um, in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, you uh, you put me on the spot there. I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, seen our social media handles. But, yes, today was my, uh, my final treatment of a 16-month journey through uh, battling cancer. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done now, so... Well, buddy, that's so good to hear, and uh, I, I can just imagine how hard uh, those times were for you. Um, and, and so what's the celebration going to look like? What, what's uh, what's going to happen? Well, it's it's probably not going to happen right now because uh, it's getting a little late in the evening and we're, we're spending our time talking with you, which, again, very thankful <laughs> for. Uh, it's actually my, myself and my wife's nine-year wedding anniversary on Thursday, so I nice. think we're going to do a, a celebration Thursday. I love it. You want to come? I love it. Well, you... You, def- you definitely deserve it. I'm, I'm going to be a little busy over here in Atlanta trying to take home that 15 million FedEx Cup uh, a bonus. I would love to come hang out with Troy and celebrate and uh, give him a little man hug. But I think I'm going to hang out here in Atlanta for the week and, and see if we can't finish off what's been a been a pretty incredible season already. Well, I really appreciate the uh, kind remarks, Paul. You got it, buddy.
All right, Paul. This is uh, a good. We, we do this with all our guests. Oh, hey, Paul. Okay. Where where are you? What are you oh, doing? Oh yeah, you didn't you tell did us where you the are. Second part. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah, I, I kind of threw that in there at the end, but yes, uh, hanging out in Atlanta. Um, I'm downtown right now, staying at a hotel, and um, you know we've got uh, we got the big boy this week. We got the FedEx Cup finale. Uh, Thirty of us made it here to East Lake, which we never take for granted. Uh, we missed it a couple of years when Webb was kind of battling through uh, you know the putter change after the USGA ban, and yeah. you know being back now since 2017, we don't ever take it for granted. So when we walked on the property today. We just took a, mem- uh, a minute just to, you know, be thankful. Uh, anytime you get here, you know you've done something right that year, and you never take good golf for granted, and we're definitely not doing that. But um, we got the big thing started on Friday. It's a Friday to Monday this year, uh, and obviously there's a, a big prize, a little pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, <laughs> being the FedEx Cup champion and uh, 15 million smackers to, uh, you know, to go to boot as well. And, uh, we love where we are. We're fourth in the FedEx Cup right now, so we'll start this week at six under. Uh, you know, a little different scoring system that we started mm-hmm. last year where the leader starts at 10 and it goes all the way down to level par for the guys 26 to 30. And, you know, just to be able to tee it up, and I love the golf course. I love the area. It's going to be weird without fans. The golf course looks completely strange without all the structures up. Uh, and, you know, for us, it's just uh, it's always a great way to kind of finish the year, even though it's a one week off and the U.S. Open's right around the corner. We're definitely focused this week. And I've even got my wife coming in town for just a, a hubby and wife uh, three or four day excursion. So I'm really looking forward to the week and competitively and then some some good eats at night, too. Well, we're, we're definitely looking forward to the golf, too. I know like one of our segments is uh, we do a, a gambling pick your golfer, the payouts, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I actually selected Webb, so uh, it's not fifteen million. I love that. It's not fifteen million, but it's uh, what was it, one hundred and forty dollars? I think I win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that hey, that counts. It's more. Uh, I remember uh, when I was uh, just coming up, kind of playing golf, and then ended up eventually caddying. We played with Lucas Glover somewhere, and Lucas didn't play well on Sunday. He finished about seventieth in the event, and got done and he turned to the score and said how much did i make and i think the score said you made you know seventy four hundred dollars he goes more than i came with <laughs> so there you go hey, 140 it's more than you came with absolutely <laughs> all right yeah. paul so this is that i was mentioned earlier we do this with all our guests let's backtrack to a young paul tesori what sorts of things were you doing when you were younger where were you born um and, and obviously we'll get we'll get to the, the lifestyle of a caddy later on in the show but yeah. i want to know uh, and so does troy yeah, where you were born and what you were what you were doing, as a young yeah, Paul. So, so, uh, so I am uh, see forty eight now. So I've spent forty eight years being a resident of the state of Florida. Um, born and raised in Florida, have lived in the St. Augustine area, which is northeast Florida, oldest city in the United States. Uh, lived there for the majority of my life. I live right next door now in Ponte Vedra, Florida, not too far from uh, TPC Sawgrass. Uh, I still got mom and dad and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles and uh, all that. We all still call that home. It's it's just a place that, for me, has kind of been stuck in time a little bit, still a little bit old school. Uh, I love where I live. Uh, and, you know, I got into sports at a young age. For me, it was kind of three sports. It was basketball, baseball, and golf. And as I quit growing as I got older, basketball went out the window. And, and baseball was my me too. most talented one before <laughs> My, yeah, five <laughs> eleven on a good day. Down my sophomore year of high school and said, "Son, uh, you know I love you. 
I, I wish I wasn't in a position to have this conversation with you, but you know, we don't really have the money to be able to afford to send you to college. Obviously we'll have to have you working and everything, but if you pick one of these two sports, there's a good chance you'd have a scholarship and, you know, I prayed about it. I got hit in the head with a fastball the next day, and I said, Dad, I figured it out. I'm going to play golf. <laughs> yeah, golf ball would have hurt as much. <laughs> yes, exactly. For me, it was a quick decision. Uh, um, fortunate to go to a junior college for a couple of years, won a national championship there as, as a team, and then uh, went to the University of Florida, played golf, won a team nice. national championship there, and two SEC championships, and then got my tour card on the PGA tour in 19. So I got my card in 96. So I had my card in 97 and nine. And, um, if anybody wants to look up my career stats, you'll see why I became a caddy. Very, we, very quickly. We, we already did 20, 20, yes, 20 pro events, correct? Paul? Uh, I think I played 17 on the big tour, probably three or four on, on now the corn Ferry tour as well. Okay. Sounds about right. Just give me that tidbit, right, Paul? Uh, and it was know, 20. <laughs> Bubba, Bubba is one of our dear Bubba's one of one of our dear friends and every time Webb wins Bubba is always uh, the text is always the same. Weber, good job, Polly, well done. You're still 0 for 17. <laughs> um, and obviously what he's talking about is my cuts made on the PGA tour. I went 0 for 17. So Bubba does not miss an opportunity to needle me on that. I was doing a uh, our foundation does these uh, we do these all star kids clinics throughout the United States uh, every year um, he, he video conferences in every now and then and surprises me and he tells the kids about my tour record. So, uh, he won't let me forget that anytime soon. Uh, and it definitely led me down the PGA tour route. I mean, a PGA tour caddy route, uh, before too long. So I, I have to ask a question as a young Paul growing up in Florida, um, did you ever think about playing hockey? I mean, from where we're from, we're Regina, Saskatchewan, <laughs> Canada. I mean, I, was hockey ever an option? And, I mean, zero. You know, we didn't have the Panthers back then. There were no hockey teams. I don't even know what the closest hockey team would have been back in 1989. Um, Tampa and that would have been when I graduated Tampa high school. So much less much less in the early 80s when I was growing up. Uh, you know, there were only the Atlanta Braves uh, in baseball. There were no Florida Marlins or Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, there was nothing else. So, right. um, you know, that kind of dictated my life. I would watch the Olympics. Um, obviously, being a, um, a an American, I always grew up watching all the Olympics and especially the men's sports. So I rooted for the team, uh, which, you know, the Canadians would always get the best of the Americans almost uh, every year. But, uh, you know, still old enough to remember the miracle on ice for us winning in Haiti. And so there's just still so many things, 72, uh, the, the, the miracle. And, and I would always watch hockey. But I didn't understand it. I couldn't follow the puck. Uh, it's a lot easier for me now just because uh, our TVs are a lot more high depth. And <laughs> I have a little bit more fun watching. I jumped on and watched the last three overtimes. Of that was it a six overtime game? Six, six OTs last week, yeah. That was, a, that was a good game. Yeah, and just so I, I watched that just because when history is being made, I'm a sports uh, buff anyway. So that's about it. I can't really go much more into my, my hockey skills. I'm the worst. Uh, ice skater you've ever seen jerry kelly when i worked for him back in the early 2000s obviously him being a hockey man played hockey in college and uh, he got me out on the ice and he goes i've never seen anybody be as bad three hours later as you were when you started but you're it so i think you can retire from your ice skating career now and and i haven't done it since well for what it sounds like we actually have a better chance of seeing gators down here and your chances of playing hockey and maybe seeing gophers down in Florida. <laughs> that's, that's about right. That's about right. So were you Gator Country College? Is that where you're, right? You said University of uh, Florida? Well, Is yeah. that Gators? So what's funny is 
my whole family graduated from uh, Florida State University, which is the biggest rival oh, yeah. of the Florida Gators. <laughs> yeah, FSU, it would be the yeah. Florida State Seminoles, uh, especially back then when both teams were uh, in the top five every year and battling it out. So I was a huge Seminole. Just when it came time to go to college, Florida's golf program was considerably better, um, and I knew that it would give me a better opportunity to compete for national championships, which we were able to end up winning and also just learn and play with guys that were better than me or as good as me and, and try to get better every week. And, uh, you know, we got Brian Gay, who is still out here uh, competing in, I think, 21 years now. He's had his card, which is incredible to me. And then Chris Couch, who won on tour as well. And uh, it was just some of my favorite times. But uh, thank goodness I had a dad who understood because I don't think very many Seminole dads would have been okay with their son going to Florida. But as long as the school was paid for, which it was through scholarship, he was okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Paul, I mean, clearly you're you're a good golfer. You played on the pro tour. I mean, you, you, you played in 17 pro events or 20 events, whatever it may be. What's your handicap these days? And it's a loaded question. I know some buddies that have caddied down south and, you know, the, those damn caddies or whatever they're called, and they they hired to go carry a bag for someone. When did caddying – really go, hey, I should be a caddy, and were you doing it at a young age? Yeah, so um, yeah, So the first question is current golf. Um, COVID-19 was very good for my golf game. Uh, I worked on my game more than I had ever done. I was going to the range twice a week and playing twice a week, which was the most golf I had done in 20 years. And um, Started playing the best golf of my life, to be honest with you. Uh, handicap got up to a plus 3.9, so almost my. plus 4. Um, and, you know, was kind of regularly shooting in the mid to high 60s uh, every time I teed it up, and so it was a blast. And then with three weeks left, uh, I had it seven under par playing a little money game that we have at home, and I hit it up against the lip of a bunker and thought I could be a hero and just hoist this shot up in the air and do something I couldn't do. And unfortunately, my club caught the grass lip of the bunker on the way through and shredded ligaments in my left thumb. And here we are almost four months later now, and I still can't. I can't even chip. I tried to chip yesterday and still too much pain. So it's going to be probably eight to even ten months until I'll be able to play again. And that's that's been kind of sad for me. I I was really having fun competing at the game again, getting better. Um, Was probably even entertaining some thoughts. Well, if I I keep my body going, and who knows, maybe a little senior tour effort at some point. but. That very quickly got taken away, um, and I'm going to have to enjoy my mid-am life down in Florida. Uh, seniors <laughs> don't start till 55 in Florida, so I've still got seven years until that happens and still trying to compete in some of my mid-am, and I've qualified for the state-am this year, so I'll probably go down and play if the thumb will, will, will kind of you know, stop doing what it's doing. But the uh, second part of your question, you know, it's, it's extremely strange. It never entered my mind. I had never... I had never caddied anything more than, uh, you know, if a buddy of yours, uh, you know, made it past first round of the U.S. Amateur, second round of the U.S. Amateur, I caddied for a friend uh, in the third round of the U.S. Amateur at Sawgrass. Uh, I had caddied in a pro event for a friend of mine. I played in the morning, um, and I caddied for him in the afternoon. His caddy went down and got sick, and so that was it. Um, And it had never entered my mind. I was teaching full-time in 2000. Uh, when VJ called, uh, VJ and I had become good friends. Uh, we played and practiced together a lot out at TPC when I was on tour. And he asked if I wanted to come out for two weeks. That he was struggling, uh, his consistency had gone away a little bit, and he knew that you know I had a pretty good eye for the golf swing. And after one week, he hired me. 
and that was back in August of 2000. So at the time, it didn't really enter my mind that caddying was something I would want to do. Um, caddying for Beach was hard. Uh, I had 11 days off at a 365 and 01, and 12 off in 02. Jeez. Uh, and you know, it was it was tiring. It was exhausting. Those were eight to 12 hour days every day outside and. Um, I didn't know if it was anything I wanted to do until VJ and I split up and Jerry Kelly called and said, Hey, uh, I'd love for you to come work for me. And Jerry and I had a lot of success president's cup team together. And it was the first time I realized okay, I actually do have a niche for this and obviously make a good living doing it. I love being competitive, still being outdoors. And it was just a way for me to stay fully connected to the game. Uh, and, uh, I guess I realized after working for Jerry that, okay, this is something I, I can do and something that I've got a talent at doing too. So, Paul, I mean, speaking of, you know, VJ and working for him and then, you know, obviously now Webb and then Jerry Kelly, like, I don't know how to put this. I mean, like, what is the stress level and, and being a caddy? Uh, I mean, obviously talking with our cousin Dale, I don't think he's, he's ever beat Abraham. Could you beat any of those players in a, you know, just a straight-up stroke player match play event? Just messing around? Uh, I couldn't beat I couldn't beat him in a tournament. Um, I've beaten them all, um, you know, in a day. I beat Weber at Augusta National <laughs> from the tips he took me there for my birthday, um, which was fun. We, we didn't play great, I think seventy three and seventy four, but you know it was forty five <laughs> degrees and blowing a little bit, so which is pretty good. But yeah, you know I can still if Webb and I teed it up in casual golf, I might be able to get him two times out of ten. Nice. Uh, that's not bad. Put, uh, if you put yellow ropes up and you put people on the outside, <laughs> that turns into zero out of a million. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be able to touch him. He plays worse when no one's around. I play better. He plays better when people are around, and I play worse. So he's definitely got it made as far as making a living doing it. I've got uh, a friend of mine said I had the nylon disease when I played on tour. I just got uh, I was allergic to the nylon ropes going up. So. Uh, you know, there was just that kind of aspect. I was always a nervous person. I didn't really like being around a lot of people, being in front of a lot of people. And it was just something I never really got comfortable doing. I, I wish I would have. Uh, but, you know, again, it led into kind of what I do now. And so um, I've got a little bit of talent still left in there, but it is waning year by year with these health issues I've got. Okay, so now this is all I want you to do. Book it. Me and Webb will play for 100 bucks. no fans. I'm a plus one handicap. He's probably and, a plus six. He probably beats me by five, maybe more. Webb's a Webb's a plus eight. Yeah, because I keep his handicap. He's a plus eight. Okay, so I'm getting um, dummy then. There's no chance. Okay. You, you tell, yeah, you you couldn't beat him. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, it would be. I don't really know how it would happen. Now, I guess maybe if you went up and played like some, if you play his tees, I don't think you could beat him. No, um, too if long. If you went up and somehow played like a little sixty-five hundred or something like that, where distance mattered less. I think at a plus one, I could get him. Because me as a plus four, I again, I, I'm only four shots worse than him handicap-wise, and that's a massive four shots. Yeah. Uh, yes, and, and it would have to still be a, a day when I played really well and he was slightly forward. That, that's kind of usually where, <laughs> when, it, when it would happen. Okay, put it this way. Myself and Troy, when you guys win next week, okay. I'll, I'll find a way to get some yeah. money. I'll pay you guys to come oh, out, and second. we'll play the Royal Regina. And we'll play there, sixty-five hundred. Oh yeah, this is a game on. And remember, when you guys win, I get a hundred. I get one hundred and twenty dollars on our bet. I think there's a zero percent chance you could get Webb to come do it, but you got a much better chance about me coming to do it. Nice. <laughs> well, you and Ted Scott. That, 
that boy doesn't like. There you go. That boy doesn't like playing golf much in the off weeks. He he's a uh, he's a, he'll hit some balls and work out a bunch. But Weber's not gonna play too much golf. In his I was gonna, I was gonna say. After... I read recently, Mark Mark Leishman doesn't remember how many years it's been since he's played a casual round of golf. Really, really, <laughs> that's wow. incredible. No, I was gonna say yeah. when I win the hundred and twenty dollars after you guys win this weekend, I'll chip in to get your airplane ticket here. So I love that. I love that. If we win this week, I will double your one twenty to two forty. I'll guarantee that because I'll have enough. I'll be swimming in some cash. Or you just come fly this. here and hang out with us, <laughs> and uh, we'll get you live in the exactly. studio. You and Ted come down. We'll play some golf. We actually got Ted coming on a couple oh. weeks here, so be good. I love that. Yeah, be part of Troy's celebration. I'd love awesome. it. Awesome. So I, I, I want to ask, like, what is it like caddying for Webb? Like, as a person, as a he looks at a beauty. As a competitor, uh, does he ever? Yeah. Does he ever get upset with you for making the wrong God. read on a putt or? What? Yeah. Yeah. Webber's so different. Uh, he's a different human being than anybody I've been around. You know, each job is different. I was a different caddy for VJ than I was for Jerry Kelly, different caddy for Sean O'Hare than I was for the other ones. And, um, and having success playing in uh, the President's Cups with all of those guys and being in winning tournaments with each of those guys, all of a sudden here comes Webb. And at the time, he had not you know, supplanted himself on the PGA Tour yet. He was 213th in the world and had just kept his card. And So for me, that kind of first year, I was more of like a father figure for him as far as golf goes, just kind of teaching him how to – see the PGA tour in a different way, how to get better, how to man, you know, kind of manufacture your golf ball around the golf course, trying to have all these little cheats that you kind of learn as you go. Um, and, and teaching him that. And, uh, if someone would have told me what would have happened by the end of that year, I wouldn't have believed it. I just didn't think that Webb quite had the physical talent to be honest with you when I first saw it. And it just shows that you can't really judge what's inside. And now it's been 10 years with him and, I, I've never met another human being like him. He's just, he's, I've said this before, and I know people are kind of like, he's such a nice guy. I was like, yeah, but you don't understand the depth of, you know, he's the husband I want to be, the dad I want uh, I want to be, the friend, the boss, everything else. He just is one of the most genuine human beings, I think, That's that awesome. I've ever walked this planet. Yeah, and you can't really get past it. If, if he ever gets frustrated, it's mad. It's never at you. It's at we. And if it ever borderline gets too much, he'll apologize. Like he'll just, you know, he'll be right on top of that. And, Super cool. You know, in 10 years, he's only said one curse word and he apologized two holes later. Um, like couldn't believe that wow. he had said it. And that was in the midst kind of after the anchoring ban. And we were in the midst of really struggling with the putter and he had gotten frustrated, but this is the guy I work for on a continuous basis. He's a guy that you know, during the three months off where we're not making any money, um, four different times I'd get a little check in the mail just for no reason, just to know, Hey, I know you're not making anything right now. I know, uh, I just want to tell you, thank you. And all this, here you go. And wow. guys don't do that. And, That's awesome. He does. And yeah, he just kind of gets it and him and Dow starting their own school and just trying to do things to make a difference at home. And obviously philanthropy wise, uh, the amount of money they get back every year, they, they're embarrassed to say, um, they're not embarrassed to say, they just feel like that that might take away from what they want to do is just kind of anonymously give and just the amount of money they give each year. Is, it's just like nothing I've ever seen. And again, you just don't find guys like this. Um, and I get to work with him every day. And so we, we joke around all the time that he's ruined me. When I started <laughs> to work for Webb, I still had that nice hardened shell. You couldn't break me. And now I'm like, do you guys know what that Irish butter is? 
that just really soft, amazing butter that's been left out on the counter. And we can't afford that, Paul. Looking at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is me right now. Um, I'm just soft now. I, if I ever have to go work for somebody else, I'm going to have to relearn how to kind of harden up the exterior <laughs> again. So <clears throat> the way you just spoke of Webb, I mean, seeing you're an employee of his, I would like to hear his answers to those same questions. So maybe you can get him on our podcast. <laughs> eh? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can always ask. That's for sure. He, uh, he's just, yeah, he's again. So kind of always tell people that I wish that they had a chance to get to know him the way I do. Um, and, and just experience the joy that he is. Uh, and it's, it's been fun watching him grow up. He was a 25 year old when I went to work for him. He's 35. Now he had no kids. Now he has five. And his father was alive then. And now his father's not with us. And just to see kind of a, a young man just grow up right in front of you has been uh, has been incredible. Yeah, to watch. he's. I guess he'd be four years younger than me, and well, a lot older than Drew, but and a lot richer than you. <laughs> <laughs> just throw Drew under the bus. <laughs> so, Paul, this is a good question here. I think, and I, Troy and I talked about this one. Um, a day in the life of a caddy. Our cousin eats bacon and and pizza and smokes dots. Um, what are you doing in the preparation that work goes into a yard book, or yard book distances, et cetera? Yeah. What are you doing on a daily basis for a tournament? Yeah, so I think that's where life has gotten a lot easier on the PGA Tour. When basically from 2000 through probably 2010, uh, yardage books were still pretty mundane in the information that they had. So you had to go out and do a lot of your own work, a lot of uh, run out numbers, whether to bunkers or to trees or to dog legs or carry numbers over certain areas around the greens. You had to do a ton of work around the greens, getting your steps in to know what is it to cover this bunker, what is it to cover this slope in the green, uh, you know, where are your miss spots to certain pins left and right. And things have just gotten so much easier now. Technology has really come into play big yeah. time and it's made our job a lot easier. We pay for it. I pay, um, I pay about $500 a week for my green books that I have and my yardage books, wow. 500 U.S. dollars. And it's worth the money for me because it saves an incredible amount of time of me going out and doing this work. And so it used to take me probably about 15 to 20 hours a week on the course by myself, not including the time with my boss uh, beforehand. And now that's down to probably three to five hours a week, unless it's a a British Open or a U.S. Open on a course that we're not that familiar with, you'll spend some more time out there. But, uh, again, technology has made life a lot easier with that. And then for me, I'm a little bit opposite when it comes to for Dale. Because I'm 48, because I've <laughs> taken a beating over these years, I've caddying for 20 years now, um, a little over 30,000 miles I've caddied. Uh, and it's just incredible now to be able to sit back and realize, look at what I'm doing now. I'm trying to eat perfectly. I'm trying, I'm doing yoga twice a day. I'm trying to strengthen all these other areas so I can stay out here another 10 or 12 years. Uh, I've got a son who's six years old, and um, I at least need 12 more years till he's 18 uh, <laughs> of this body to last. So I'm kind of doing the opposite of Dale, and I'm trying to live pretty perfectly <laughs> while I'm out here to keep this body young and uh, strong enough to make it for a few more years. So when you're buying a yard book, though, for 500 bucks U.S., uh, you're just writing that off the web, hey? Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. So the one thing about expenses on the PGA tour for us is that caddies and players are it's the only sport I know of that you're responsible for all of it, you know, in, wow. in hockey and baseball and football, um, everything's being paid for your hotels, your flights, 
Uh, they're usually getting a, a per diem each day for food. And even though they got nice buffets waiting for them in the clubhouse in golf, we're paying for everything, every flight, every hotel, every rental car. Wow. Um, everything's coming out of your pocket. So, you know, you, you have to be sure you're going through. And that's why uh, it's pretty glamorous what we get to do, what I get to do, working for some of the best players in the world. But, man, if you're working for a guy who is struggling, you can lose money over two, three, four-month stretch. You actually might be losing money at work and putting in 50, 60, 70 hours and losing money. So there's some guys that are just as talented as I am at the job that just haven't quite gotten that opportunity yet that are just dying to make ends meet week to week. So um, it's a little different uh, where Dale is right now being here at East Lake and the success him and Abraham have had, uh, just tremendous. And Abe is not going anywhere. He's going to be good for a long time, uh, uh, you know, especially if his health stays strong. And uh, we don't take it for granted. Uh, each, Like I said, each year we're here, uh, you know it's a, it's a good place to be, and you're not as worried about um, hotel expenses and flight expenses when you're making uh, that kind of money working for one of the top players in the world. Hi, Troy Koser from Off the Hosel. Go and visit our friends over at Rapid Lawn Landscape Solutions to get that green grass that you've always wanted. Be like me and many others that they've helped over the past few years to get that yard that they've always dreamed of. They offer such services as synthetic turf, residential landscaping, landscaping supply, and hydro seeding. Call them at 306-993-7300 to get your free quote or email rapidlawn.ca. Also, don't forget to ask about the Rapid Lawn Finance It program. Again, call 306-993-7300 or email rapidlawn.ca. So not that I did any fact-checking, but I want to ask you just a question that you might know offhand. Is Abe actually the shortest player on tour? Size-wise. Oh, what a what a good question. I would I don't know. Maybe Brian Harmon. Um, they, it would be because how tall is Abe? Like I said, no fact-checking. I would check. say 5'8". Five, 5'8", five, eight. Eight, five, yeah. eight maybe, yeah. On yeah. good day? I'm, I'm not sure. I tell you this much. That that boy, he might be 5'8", but he's about 7 feet when it comes to crunch time. He's going to win a lot of tournaments out here. We were fortunate enough to beat him by one this year at Hilton Head, but he did nothing wrong. Played in the last group. He shot 65. I picked you guys um, that week, by the way. He played great the entire time. Um, what's that? I said, I picked you guys that week. I took Abe. And on our podcast, really? I did. And yeah, on our podcast, good, in our in in our intro in our podcast, because we always talk about the you know previous week's tournament, and Drew came up with a good idea of, you know you know the you know the Simpsons movie right or the show Simpsons right. So when when we did the intro, it was Simpson. <laughs> That's incredible. See, I love it. You'd oh, have to go man. back and listen That's on that true. one, but. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, there's a few spots each year you know Webb's going to play well at. And Greensboro is kind of his little uh, uh, ATM machine there. And then Hilton Head is played just incredible. TPC, we're going to play well pretty much every year. And it's kind of the, the dog-leg golf courses where you have to really maneuver your golf ball left to right, right to left. And the narrower fairways have always kind of um, been right up Webb's alley. So, Paul, I mean, if you don't mind, uh, the Tesori Family Foundation, uh, when did that all come to together? I mean, how did it all start? And obviously, hats off to you for getting that going. Well, yeah, thank you so much for asking about it. It has turned into our pride and joy. We started it in 2009. My wife, uh, Michelle, she was uh, running nonprofits at the time. And, you know, she had asked me if I had ever wanted to start one. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it until I can really go all out. And, 
she goes, that's the lamest excuse I've ever heard. You, you make a difference in one person's life, then you make a difference in two, then four, then eight. That's how you do it. So we're starting one now. And, um, you know, we, we did a lot locally for those first four or five years. And, and then uh, a little miracle was born to us in January of 2014, being my son Isaiah, who happens to have the third copy of the 21st chromosome, a.k.a. Down syndrome. And very quickly, we realized where we wanted to spend a lot of our time and efforts. Just there are so many um, just miss. There's so much misinformation about these wonderful kids and adults that have Down syndrome. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that I have a six and a half year old and I've gotten to watch him grow up, I realize I think I'm the one missing uh, a third copy of the 21st chromosome because he sees this world so differently than I do. And you can get me frustrated just if I have to, if I'm in the left-hand lane and you're slowing me up, I'm frustrated. I don't want that person in front of me anymore. I think they should be off the road yeah. and I'm ready to let them know about it. But this kid, he can have tubes stuck in and out. He's doing therapy three days a week. He's learning. Um, things are still frustrating. He's trying to communicate with us. Sometimes we can't understand, but he always sees the joy in everything. In this world that we're living in right now, um, I feel like it's the opposite. Like we're trying to spy out um, uh, junk in what anybody says. Somebody can say something so innocently and so kind, and we're trying to find the negative in it, where I feel like the Down syndrome community is the opposite. So we've just poured a ton of effort into that community. We've, uh, we've given back almost $2 million now since wow. 2010. Right on. And we're so proud of that. And it, it's not like uh, we're, we're, we want to brag about ourselves. What we want to brag about is what the game of golf has been able to afford us to do. And we have 20, 22 of these all-star kids clinics that we now do throughout the U.S. and eventually Canada. We tried to do one in Canada last year. I think uh, we were going to do it this year until COVID jumped up and stopped us. But right. we do a clinic for 25 kids with special needs, one-on-one instruction from PGA Tour players, caddies, and coaches. And we just introduced the game of golf to these unbelievably young uh, kids, uh, 18 and younger. And it is in incredible and it's so beautiful to watch the adults and they end up crying and coming up and telling us thank you and we tell them we get more out of it than anybody else does so uh just really really proud of what we've been able to That's do awesome. and you can check us out to storyfamilyfoundation.org and you know, we'll, we'll take just prayers, encouragement. If you want to give time or money, anything else, that's great too. But we're not asking for anything. Just uh, we just love the aspect of giving back to a game that has been just so good to us. That that that's awesome, Paul. You know, when we get off the yeah. phone here, uh, we'll get that link. We'll throw it on our uh, our social media channels as well. And uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to say about that. the children. You know, obviously, you've seen my battle. Uh, I, I see kids dealing with cancer far too often and it's the saddest thing in the world because it's they're too Gosh. young you know and here at off the hosel we actually we we don't have a foundation or anything but we're we're trying to give back actually to the saskatchewan cancer agency so what we're doing is uh every sweater that we sell we're throwing five bucks back you know it's just it's a small denomination but it helps and it's just they're appreciative and it's it's something that's obviously very close to my heart you know my brother's heart so uh i, I know where it you're coming right from back that's it. And it goes right back to what my wife said. If you change one person's life, you're changing people's lives while you're doing that. Every little bit counts. And I think that was the part I always misunderstood because, you know, in life we're taught, Hey, if you're going to do something, do it all out. And, yeah. and they're right. But in certain areas, a, a little bit can go a long way. And 
um, you know, you were talking about cancer, and it's horrible enough for adults, but in kids, it's heartbreaking. And watch what St. Jude has done. And you'll have people that give five bucks a month to St. Jude, mm-hmm. and they're just as thankful for that as they are for the million dollar donors, you know, for people that can afford that. So, um, yeah, anytime in this world we can just give back a little bit, uh, then I, I really do think that, that we're doing the right thing. So I know, I know, Paul, also, when we get off the phone, you're going to be buying a sweater, correct? <laughs> absolutely you point me to where to go and i'll do it that's five bucks more to a good call i haven't seen these sweaters yet i'm a little nervous we'll get you a picture they're nice (laughs) okay all right i love it well it was kind of cool how you mentioned paul just like how your wife's saying you know you change one person's life and you change multiple right so it was kind of cool how like we started this podcast and then people took chances on us by you know sponsoring us giving us ads all this stuff got us off our feet and i felt you know with my you know my brother going through his battle and People I know that have been through battles, you know, some win, some lose, and it's terrible all, all in general. So if we felt that we, you know, we team up with those, well, what's the link again, Troy? Uh, the Saskatchewan Cancer Agency. Yeah, you know, five dollars. Maybe next year it's ten. Sorry, you know? I lied. Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. So any that that was the idea for us. You know, maybe it's five dollars this year, and maybe in six months it's ten dollars. And you know, the more we grow, maybe the more that we can put out for uh, for someone that 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 needs it. So. Well, I- and I think that's why y'all's reputation has already started to to grow. And it's because of, you know, anybody can start a podcast nowadays. But it's more about talking about the people's lives. Uh, you guys asking me about the Tesori Family Foundation. It's, it's my greatest joy is thinking about what we've been able to do and what we're going to continue to do and to push. And it's not about our legacy when we leave. It's about the kids, the even the adults, the parents, the legacies that we can impact that we'll never see. And it's kind of that movement that you guys are already a part of. It's just, hey, we can always talk about golf, but let's let's go a little deeper. And Absolutely. you've obviously done a great job with each person you've had on the podcast, and, and you've proven that yet again here tonight. So, Paul, I'm going to let Drew introduce the next segment. We're going to move into a little more fun, enjoyable chat, and uh, take it away, Drew. Love it. Yeah, so um... – this segment is uh, called Questions from the Gallery. It's brought to you by Player Golf. Be sure to use the promo code off the hosel twenty for twenty percent off of your orders. That's off the hosel twenty for twenty percent off of your orders. Be a player. Well, Paul, we got lots of questions here. We know you're busy. You're at the tour championship. You have things to do. You gotta go to bed and not have any bacon like Dale. But we're gonna get these <laughs> questions done up for you. So, question number one. Uh, you may want to pull your phone away from your ear on this one, but in 2012, Webb Simpson wins the U.S. Open, and during the press conference, the Birdman. <laughs> what was going through your head, and what did you and Webb chat about after that? So Webb will tell you that one of the weirdest parts of me is I don't get as excited as most people do in certain areas. So we win the U.S. Open. I had a red eye. I knew I could catch it. I hug him before he leaves the clubhouse as soon as Graham had missed. I hug him, tell him, great job. I run, I get in my courtesy car, and I'm gone to the airport. (laughs) I hop on my red eye back home. I land in Charlotte. I fly from Charlotte home. I don't know anything. I have no idea about the Birdman. I haven't read anything. I wanted to talk to people. I didn't sleep a wink. 
Um, but, you know, what are you doing? It's a red eye on the way home. And so I get home, and my wife said, how about that guy at the end? I had no clue what she was talking about. Really? And so it's just another one of those great examples of things that I miss. Um, I, I don't know if anyone saw this year, 2020 Phoenix Open. He makes a hole-in-one. Yeah. And I was 100 yards away peeing in a portalette because I couldn't hold it anymore. <laughs> the ball's going in the hole. And so he just laughed. He goes, that's typical you. You didn't. You kind of cared, but you didn't really care. <laughs> so you had to go to the bathroom, so away you went. Um, and then this year we went helping head and, you know, I gave him a quick hug. I drove three hours one way. He drove three hours the other way. Um, so it's one of those things I'm kind of sad on this, but the best part is hearing the story of Mike Davis, the head of USGA, taking this guy and slinging him into the bunker uh, off the 18th green. And, and that is something I wish I would have seen or I wish we had video of now. I've seen a picture of it, but um, it was uh, – it's kind of something that's fun. It'll always keep it different from all the other U.S. Open winners, but there are times after a three-putt and you got some boys that have had too much to drink on the side do the uh, bird call, it gets a little annoying. <laughs> so how about that, um, how do you word it, um, my impersonation of the Birdman, was that good or no? You, you did great. It was unbelievable. I'm a little worried you've been practicing that too much. Maybe it was you. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I can't so afford it in one of those stuff. tournaments. Do some CIA scanning or something like that on it. <laughs> Before Troy uh, chimes in here, the best part after that the whole Birdman thing was when he when Webb's like, "Yeah, enjoy the jail cell, bud." That was the yeah, best. Exactly. And that was again, I, I like that because he's very witty. And again, guys, you don't get to see that very often. Enjoy the night in jail cell, pal. Um, yeah, I'm pal. Like, boy, whatever. You know that that's a good little quip. Uh, you know what are you gonna do? Everybody's shocked. You don't even know what to say. <laughs> And he was so funny. He's like, I've never seen a U.S. Open awards ceremony. At first, I was like, okay, is this something they do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, good story. Okay, Paul, this question came across three of our social media channels from multiple people, and I actually believe they're friends of yours, colleagues, or former or just fans. fans or fans. I'm and very it, nervous. It, it, it's a very easy question. And the question is, who is the best player and caddy on tour when it comes to golden tea. <laughs> By the way, that's one of our well, sponsors. I, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, that is great. Yes. So I have definitely got a golden tea um, addiction slash hobby. Um, I started it way back in 2006, was trying to find a way to just kind of to loosen up and I started to play and I got better and better. So I definitely got the PGA tour whooped as far as best golden tee player, Andy Pope, who is currently on the corn Ferry tour. He's working his way out here. The PGA tour is a good player as well, but I've kind of got a monopoly on the PGA tour. I have kind of, uh, is it embarrassing to say I've kind of since uh, some, some guys, some younger uh, guys who have gone out and I've gotten them a lot better. So I've been beaten in a single round a couple of times. Michael Zuliba has taken me down once or twice. Uh, Joe Etter, who's out of Seattle, has taken me down once or twice. But over, over a 10-round, uh, they might get me once, but not, not over the long haul. It's funny because it, it was a very asked question. I noticed it, and it was golden tea, golden tea, golden tea. And I've been bugging, like I said, they sponsor our podcast, and Kevin is their, I believe, marketing manager. And I'm like, can you get us one of those new home edition ones for the studio? And he's like, I just can't yeah. do it. I just can't do it. I'm like, we're getting bigger and bigger. Just send us one. You, you know what's amazing about the golden tea community is they're just some good old boys. 
uh, you know, that they're allowed to go out a few nights a week to go play and to have a couple of beers. And they root for me as hard as, you know, when they met me, they thought it was really cool. And then, of course, I thought it was incredible to meet them, the guys that are playing for a living. That's what they do. And um, I remember, you know, each time I would meet these guys, I would beat them the first night. I'm like, man, maybe they're not as good as I thought. And then the next night they would destroy me. Well, it came to my, like, you know, recollection later on like oh because the first night they're asking all these questions they want to know about caddying and the players and all that well the next night after i've kind of tweeted out yeah i took down whoever last night they get serious and they <laughs> they don't uh, care about the caddy anymore now they want to beat you <laughs> yes that's exactly right and that's what happened it's kind of like the web thing yeah i could beat him if he doesn't really know we're playing but if all of a sudden you put a grand on there i'm probably never going to beat him he'll he'll, he'll buckle down and, and do what he does so so, uh, former, I mean, still friend of the show, Jared Dutois. I'm sure you know who he is. Um, yes. He has a very articulate yardage book. You know, 87 yards is Crosby, 91 yards is Stamkos. What does Webb Simpson <laughs> have in his yard book that is unique? <laughs> All that he has that's unique is a um, the Ryder Cup uh, each year the guys give gifts to the other guys and Ricky Fowler did a yardage book for each guy. Um, and for Weber's, it has just Weber in there and a scripture that he, that he really likes from the Bible. So that that's his yardage book. He doesn't really have anything. He's non superstitious and guys listen to how non superstitious he could birdie the first three holes and the ball's coming out of play and it's perfectly fine. There's like nothing wrong with a golf ball. He'll take it out of play. My coach at Florida, he wouldn't let us take one out of play if we hadn't made a bogey. <laughs> Weber's birdie in three in a row, and he's taking the ball out of play. He just uh, – no superstitions for him. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of fun. I like that uh, the 87 and the 91, but we can't compete with that story. I used to be very superstitious when it came to golf when I was a junior golfer. I remember one time I was – or sorry, I was a men's amateur in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and it was 35 degrees out day three. I needed the birdie three the next four to make the team. And I birdied two of the next three. Didn't birdie the next one. Uh, but I was wearing a gray fleece. 35 out, no wind, hot, pants. I was sweating through my uh, gray fleece. So um, superstition is no longer. Hey, first, of all, first of all, for a Florida boy, the fact that you made two birdies and 18 holes, much less four holes when it was 35 degrees, is miraculous for me. <laughs> so I'm applauding you right now. For a great job. If it's 35 at home, they're shutting down the schools pretty much. So <laughs> great job. Good playing. Uh, you almost got it done. That's impressive as far as I'm concerned. I was close. Um, Kate, well, actually, yeah. this is a good question here because everyone wants to know this question. We uh, have a few texts today, and we didn't even talk about it earlier in the show. The President's Cup. Kyle Peters, Peps, tells me to ask you, tell us some stories about the President's Cup. I've got a lot of good ones. Um, I've got a lot of good ones. Um, for those golf fans out there, I am the one that wore Tiger Who in the 2000 President's Cup, which almost always gets brought up. Uh, and, you know, the Tiger loves the story now. Um, at the time, it was a weird story. But um, we had played. I was working for VJ. Uh, he had prevented Tiger that year from winning the Grand Slam. And uh, we got paired with him every round. It was the fifth. It was the fifth match. We got paired with Tiger again against Tiger. And the ball guys had these beautiful hats made up that said Tiger who. I thought it was hilarious. The U.S. only needed two points to win. Awkward. I thought it was funny. Uh, I thought it was funny. VJ thought it was funny. And so I wore it, and we got to the fourth hole, and we're one up through three, and Tiger had hit it in the water on the part three, fourth, and had chipped it up about 15 feet per bogey, and VJ had about 10 feet per birdie. 
So VJ gave him the bogey putt, thinking that Tiger's just going to let us pick ours up. Well, he didn't. VJ putted it down, and it's hanging over the lip. That's not an exaggeration. The ball's half in, half out, and we don't hear anything. We look over there, and Tiger's got this scowl on his face, and his arms are crossed like a person, like a 15-year-old's been putting time out. He makes us putt it from hanging over the lip, and VJ says, "I think he saw your hat and doesn't like it." And Tiger's favorite part of the story is he stood up on the next tee, and he had played pretty poorly all week. Um, Nota Begay, who was one of the hottest players on the planet at yep. the time, had won four times in the previous, I think, 13 months, was carrying Tiger. Well, on the fifth tee, Tiger turned about an extra 15 degrees and hit a 305-yard bomb down the middle and played the last 12 holes, seven under to beat us two and one. <laughs> um, and it, it, it got blown out of her force. I meant it as a joke, but obviously it was a quick learning experience for me because you the tiger. I got done. There had to be 20 newspaper agents, I, everybody surrounding me. And I'm like, oh my word. Okay, there's a good lesson. And uh, Tiger and I didn't really talk about it again, but I was working for Webb in 2011. And I just told him, I was like, buddy, I played practice rounds with him. Him and O'Hare were friends. And I've talk, I just still feel like there's like this little bit of something there. Like, and so I got to talk to him at some point. I said, watch this. And so Tiger's walking by me. And I said, what's up, Tiger? Who? He goes, what's up, two and one? And he, <laughs> out of steps and he turned around with a big smile on his face. So think about it. We had not talked about it for 11 years. I said, what's up, Tiger? Who? And I'm telling you, it. It did not take a millisecond. It just rolled off his lips. What's up, two and one at the same time? Uh, he took about another ten steps and turned around with that big old grin that we got used to seeing. Now I love uh, the personality mm-hmm. that Tiger that you see from him now, and it's one of my favorite golf stories now. And he makes me tell it at every team event. So sorry, just sorry. Tell everybody about your stupid hat. Tell everyone. Tell them the whole story. He wants the whole story. He wants the, the pouty on the side. He wants, obviously, the, the butt whooping he put on us at the end. And uh, um, It's it's fun story now. And even Jim Furyk, uh, you know, him being the captain of the Ryder Cup at 18, had never heard the real story. You could tell Jim was still kind of mad at me for it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, people, settle down. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, like, it was a joke. Uh, but it's uh, it's a story that will always be with me um, for sure. And how about you guys getting it back in 2024 in Canada? Um, and, man, I hope Weirsy gets the captaincy. I can't imagine them not giving it to him. He deserves it. Uh, and, you know, with the international team getting better and better and better, and I would assume you'll have at least a couple of Canadians on that team as well, um, will be fabulous. Well, qu- quickly before that, I was going to say, I'm sure you don't feel as bad as Stephen Ames did when uh, Tiger beat him 9-9. I know it. I know. Not nine and eight. Yeah. Or nine and eight. Sorry. Just, it's another example that he always had that ability to turn it on. And obviously, when I worked for for Veej, we had a lot of head-to-head battles. I went through, and I think over seventy times I've been paired with him in competition on the PGA Tour. And to see him in his prime, the only thing I get frustrated with now is I hear all the young kids saying, "I, I want him at his best." I wanted him like, no, there's not a single player out here that wanted him at his best. None of them. I don't care how much better everybody's got. That boy at his best was unbeatable, um, and yeah. I still wish he could have one more year with some of that magic in there before uh, before he calls it quits. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, I want him at his best. Like Abe called him out at last year's Presidents Cup. Like he said, I want Tiger, and well, it wasn't rude. It's was just a straight no, statement. Yeah, he, he wanted to play Tiger, right? I mean, he's the new kid on the tour, and uh, yeah, well, Tiger won, but <laughs> not by a lot, though. No. Yeah, it's well, what's so. Yeah, and what's so interesting about Abe is I heard what Abe Abe was different than what I did with the Tiger who had and what Stephen Ames did. Abe just said, you know, the question was, you know, 
would you like to play with Tiger? He goes, yeah, I, I want to play against Tiger. He's the greatest of all time. That would be amazing. So he was kind of doing it more out of reverence. Yeah. Of course, the media just ran with that one, um, and uh, and there wasn't much he could do. He actually played well in that match against Tiger. I think Tiger was about six under. Uh, he had it. In, I can't imagine the week that he had. I don't know if it gets talked about enough. Being a playing captain, going three and zero, oh, and we had to have all three. If he goes two and one, we tie. If he goes one one and one, we lose the Presidents Cup. And to be able to be captain and go three and zero oh at the same time, I don't think enough is made. Of, about how special that was, what he was able to do in and, Australia, and to sit himself out—that that—that's the tough part, where he couldn't play. Yes, it <laughs> is. You have to sit him out the whole day. We we were all surprised. We didn't know. Um, we were surprised as well because he was playing so well. He just thought with that day he wanted to be really present for the team, um, and like you said, to sit out and and then to, you know, kind of open up the singles on Sunday and, and being able to beat uh, a three and two was was huge. A little shot in the arm, but. Uh, President's Cups for anybody out there. I know it's a little different probably in Canada, but people haven't seen. You go back and you look at these things since 2009 and look at how close they've all been except for the one in New York where we probably had the greatest U.S. team that we've ever had on paper, and and they were all playing their best golf. But look at how close. I I was part of the 09 team with O'Hare. That one came down. You know, Tiger was able to flip that match with – with uh, Weirsy, that team match the one day, and that was close. 2011 in Australia, it came down to the last two matches on the course, um, and Tiger was able to get that point. Um, what was 13? 13 was Muirfield, and it came Weber. It was down to Weber and Tiger, and we had to have uh, one of those matches, and you know that came down to the end. South Korea was down to the last match on the golf course, and then again here in Australia was as close to uh, as you could be. So. Um, the international team is going to win a bunch of these, and I think when we look back in 20 years, it's probably going to be one of those five-and-five five kind mm-hmm. of splits. And, and that's what um, makes it so the, much fun. The, I agree, and I just I don't like it when I hear people say, well, it's not a competitive, you know, the U.S. is, well, it's, they're not seeing what's happening. Uh, the competition is great. It's getting more and more fierce. Uh, there's a little bit more gamesmanship now coming out of the international team. Um, and that's going to create a little bit more, I think, of uh, that intensity that people want to see. Absolutely. I mean, it's not like it's the 92 Olympics, Summer Olympics, where, you know, you had America's dream team playing Germany and they were winning 214 to 64, you know, in basketball, right? I mean, it's it, it's exactly. a lot closer competition. And I, I agree with you. It's going to be like that for years to come. But, yes, and, and the U.S. wants to win that as much as we want to win the Ryder Cup. There's there's no difference. There really isn't. Uh, right. You know, I, th- I think, in, again, well, we're going to see it much differently here over the next 20 years span. So we had a, I don't know if it's a friend of yours or not, but I'm going to read the name, where he's from, and what he said. It's not a question. It's just a, uh, a general comment. His name was Patrick Adams from Charlotte, North Carolina. And he wrote in, quote, Great memories of walking with Paul and Webb inside the ropes at Sedgefield during a practice round for the Wyndham Championship. Can't find a better pro-slash-caddy duo on the planet. Loved chatting with these guys several years ago. Tell him if he ever needs a week off, he'll drop whatever he's doing and fill in. Paul approves of my caddy abilities. <laughs> Confirm or deny. Yes, I, I do remember. Oh, a thousand percent I remember, Pat. He... He actually did it twice for us. Um, they gave money to charity, I think to my charity, to uh, my foundation, to caddy for Webb on a Wednesday. Um, and he was fantastic. Most of the guys, they don't quite know how much the bag weighs. And so after nine holes or even less, they're kind of done caddying and they'll just walk the next nine holes. But 
Pat, he handled it all. He did all 18 holes. He fought through it hard. He was great. And I think we ended up winning that year as well. So he was kind of like our good luck charm. And, um, yes, just a, a tremendous week. And us caddies, we like those. Anybody that wants to give money to any of these charities for us and caddy on a Wednesday, we get very excited about that. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a nice day off to have uh, Wednesdays where your shoulder can kind of relax a little bit. Okay, Paul, quick one here for you. Lowest round and how many hole-in-ones? Yeah, 60 is my lowest round. I've been able to do it Humble brag. on a par 70. <laughs> Just 60. Uh, yeah, uh, on a par 70 both times, and then 63 on a 72. And then four hole-in-ones and two double eagles. Wow. Okay, quickly. No 59, though. Must have been going through your head. No 59. It's, it's funny. I, I had it. It was a par 70. I was nine under through 13. And on the first tee, I told my buddy who I was playing with, and I had come close. I had shot two sixty ones on this course before, and I knew I was playing great. I said, hey, listen, I'm going to use the one iron today and not this four-wood thing. Back then it was a cleek. If you guys might remember the cleek, the old tailor-made cleek. Yeah, so no, small. I do. Yeah, I do. He's, he's like, okay, so you can't use the cleek. I said, yeah, can't use it. We got to this par 5, 14, hit a beautiful drive. I'm already nine under on a par 70. And I needed the cleat. And he's like, nope, can't hit it. And I hit a one iron in the water, made six on a par five, and still shot 60. <laughs> um, and so it, it was my day if I'm ever going to have it. Um, and I, I just remember, I still think about it all the time. And sadly, there will not be another opportunity to break 60 unless I'm playing a par 60. Um, I, the, the days, the courses are a little too long now. I'm hitting too many clubs into these greens. And, um, unless I were to go play at about 5,500, those days are gone. <laughs> okay, Paul, we got rapid fire here. I'm going to shoot you three questions, quick answers. Are you ready for them? I'm, I'm ready. Your ultimate golf foursome? Um, it would be my dad. It would be Bobby Jones, and it would be uh, Billy Graham. Good group. Best golf shot you've personally seen on tour? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, it would be... Tiger Woods, three iron into number two at Boston in 2006 um, to about a foot. Okay. Your personal favorite moment on tour? For me, uh, winning the Players' Championship 2018. Awesome. No. And how tall are you? <laughs> uh, six feet. Six feet exactly. I was that tall at, at 12 years old, and I haven't grown since. So, Paul, something that we always ask every, every guest on the show here, and, and I'm going to wrap up my last question. Uh, any advice for the younger listeners out there, you know, that are possibly pursuing a career in golf, sports, uh, acting, business, caddying, caddying anything that they want to do? Any, any yeah. advice for those younger listeners? Very much so. Very much. I think the reason why I've had a lot of success with Sean O'Hare and Webb Simpson as far as being a caddy is, is just helping the young people realize you have to have a process and a plan in place. You can't just rely on raw talent. You just can't rely on hard work. You have to have a process in place. And the way you find that process, that plan is, is by going to someone wiser and older than you who's been successful at doing what you want to do and sit down with them and ask them what they did. Ask them if they were younger, what would they have told the younger version of them? And you're going to get gold every single time. And I would say find three um, and reach out. If you, if you need to reach out to 30 to find the three that will spend the time with you, find the three that will spend the time with you and ask them specific questions and always ask, if you were the younger you and you had to talk to him, what would you have told him? And you're going to get gold every time. 
Awesome. Wow. Um, I have one quick one here for you, Paul, and this may be a dumb question, but I've always been told by my teachers that there's no such thing as a dumb question, uh, but I always still got laughed at. The question is, I wear um, spikeless golf shoes, like Skechers now, point in my life, I'm 24 years old. Um, can caddies <laughs> wear like a, a golf shoe without spikes? I know they can't wear golf shoes, but is it changed now with there's no spikes? Well, so we still wouldn't be able to wear kind of the rubber nubs. Um, if you're familiar with like teaching shoes, we would be able to do, uh, which are just really kind of flat and fairly, we call them fairly slick on the bottom. And I think it would depend on where you are. If you're at the British Open, those greens are fairly firm and they're all Poe, and now you can tap things down. Yeah. I think if you went with the kind of shoe that you're talking about, you would be okay. But I can't imagine a place here in the States where that would be okay just because of the inventions that you'd be making on the greens. Um, and most likely your fellow caddies would be giving you a razzing uh, <laughs> if you did that. So um, if it was the teaching type of shoe, that would be fine. I know Foot Joy came out with theirs. And it's yeah. got that, it's got like just small ridges on the bottom. Um, those would be okay, but not the, the little small nubs. Okay, sorry, last one now. This is kind of cool because I know. I'm ready. I'm my, ready. I, I, I got to cut you off, Drew. I got one more too. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I love well, it. Fill it in. No, I'm good, guys. I'm he's good. like, I scored a batter now. Get ready for the tournament. But uh, okay, here it is. Quickly. I'm, I'm fired up now. My my favorite club, in my golf bag is. Did I say golf ball? Golf club. Golf club, six iron. Okay. Looks the best. I hit it well. I want to know what Webb's favorite club is in his bag. Man, he's got he's got a bunch of them. He's got fourteen. <laughs> I'll say he's got one what we kind of consider magic club, and that's his three hybrid. It's been in his bag since two thousand and ten. Um, is that right? Two thousand yeah, two thousand ten. Wow. Um, he's made three hole in ones with it. He made it from two sixty at the Atlanta Athletic Club on a Wednesday pro am with Kevin uh, Streelman for a little hundred dollar hole in one. Um, on the tee box. He made hole-in-one the very first time he played with it in Vegas from like 220. Uh, it's just a club he's able to do anything. Dustin Johnson, so Weber carries a four-hybrid and a three-hybrid. Dustin is, is nicknamed him the gap wedge and the sandwich. He calls the, the four-iron is the sandwich and the three-hybrid is the uh, gap wedge. So he goes, was that gap wedge or sandwich? Um, just because Webb hits him so straight. Uh, and that's kind of their little running joke. And we're like, yeah, well, as short as we hit it, we kind of have to hit as close as he hits his wedges. So. Sweet. That's so cool. My, my last question, Paul, is, is there any question that we didn't ask you that you want our listeners to know? Man, that's a good one. I think for me, I think just the understanding of the appreciation of what we're going through right now in the sport of golf. And I think you're seeing it in a lot of sports, maybe all of them. You guys would be able to help me out with the NHL if we're seeing it. But the level of play on the PGA Tour is unlike anything I've ever witnessed. Mm -hmm. uh, the amount of guys who are great players, the amount of guys, it's Tiger's generation that we're seeing. These kids are all fearless now. 24-year-olds um, are playing golf like 34-year-olds. Um, and the level of play. When I watched uh, the Heritage, when I went home that night, you know, we're used to seeing one or two guys play really, really well down the stretch. But to watch seven or eight guys make three and four birdies in the last eight holes with everything on the line is like nothing I've ever witnessed before. Mm -hmm. And I do think not having fans has helped a little bit probably with some guys and their nerves. 
But at the same time, you're just dealing with a generation that is fearless and the level of play and being able to see what I get to see on a weekly basis from, you know, the, the point up view uh, is incredible. So just an appreciation that I hope everybody has for what we're entering into in golf and I think other sports as well. I watch quite a bit of basketball as well, NBA, and just the level of play has just increased. I don't know about the level of defense has increased in the NBA, but the level of offensibility <laughs> in the NBA is just unlike anything I've ever seen. Well, Paul, this has been so much fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't thank you enough, Troy, as well. Uh, I mean, we may be best friends, but you, we could be even better friends if you get uh, your boss on the show for us. Um, no hard feelings if you can't. We hope that we can do this again with you. you this has been awesome, man. Yeah, I really hope we can get you back Guys, on. I the, love talking to you. No, just, yeah, I love talking to you. love talking about life. Again, Troy, just congratulations, bud. What an incredible thing to go celebrate um, beating cancer. And uh I pray that uh, that it'll stay away. But uh, I just love diving in deep into the personal stuff and the good laughs about uh, the other stuff as well. It was great. Well, I really thank you for that, Paul. And, and again, when you guys win this weekend, we'll see you here next week in Regina at the Royal Regina for that match, eh? Bring your coats I love, and toques I love it. and, and I, mitts. I, I, I guarantee you this. I promise to double up that 140 if we get the W done this week. <laughs> okay, well, we'll keep in. <laughs> I got your number and you got mine, so... That's it. That's it. Thanks, boys. I appreciate it. Take care, Paul. Cheers. Hi, Troy Koser from Off the Hazel. Are you tired of having the same problems year by year? Dustin Felsky with Precise Accounting and Consulting is here to help. We can help you with your tax solutions, fix cash flow issues, reduce costs of business, and give back the time you need to increase your business potential. Whether you're self-employed or running a large business, Dustin with Precise Accounting and Consulting We'll have solutions that will fit your needs to grow your business. Precise Accountant and Consulting has been serving Pence and surrounding areas for the past four years. For more information, visit Precise Accounting on Facebook or www.paac.ca. Alrighty, there it is, the interview with Paul Tesori, the caddy since 2011 for the number four player in the world, Webb Simpson. Simpson! What an interview. An hour and 10 minutes with Paul, and you're not going to be like dozing off of the wheel by any means of this one. No, that, that was an absolute treat. I'm still grinning ear to ear from uh, chatting with Paul. A lot of great stories, uh, really good talker. He had every question, he had an answer. We, have, we even had to get in a rapid fire there, first time. Well, he, I mean, he also, remember, he was reporting live from the Tour Championship in Georgia, as Reba McIntyre sang earlier in the show for us. Yeah, so again, thank you, Paul, for joining the show. Uh, we hope we, well, I think we became friends. <laughs> yeah, and actually, if, if they win next week, you get a cut of your initial... He, he's doubling down my 140, so 280. Yeah, that, and if they win... We're, we're getting Webb down to play golf. And if not Webb, it's going to be Paul and Ted Scott. Yes. Who we have on coming on the show in a couple of weeks. We're just working on those dates, and Bubba Watson has a very tight schedule. Yeah, it's this, this, this thing's taken off. I mean, it's awesome. I'm so proud to be a part of it. So. And we're still doing local, a ton of local golf. Speaking of local golf, we put out a post, I believe, what, on Monday we did, Troy? Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to rate. Uh, you know, it's going to be in favor of what, of what I've played when what you've played. Of course. Well, I mean, even play some courses I've played. Yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna sit down and go over, and I think the the um, the rate was top thirty courses in Saskatchewan. You know what we could do? We could do a bracket challenge. 
put two courses out per week or per every other day. And, you know, like, you know, the NCAA basketball does the yeah, bracket yeah. challenge. March Madness, yeah. Yeah, we could do like a bracket challenge. Let the people decide. We could do that, yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, we're going to have no bias in this. I play at a course. You play everywhere. I have lots of favorite courses, but we're going to do this, and I think it's great uh, to get everyone in Saskatchewan back involved in, you know, it, heading into the dog days of winter as we head into over our new place in about three, two and a half weeks here over down at Divots Indoor Golf. That should be a lot of fun with our new inside the clubhouse inside the shop uh, at Divots. It'd be nice too because, you know, some of our listeners, if they wanted to, they come down and see us in person. Maybe we get them on the air. So, I mean, come down, whack your clubs, have a couple pops from Molson's and... Uh, Just keep your head up on a ball's flying through. Whack. Yeah, like I said, Divots Indoor, Divots Indoor Golf. What did I say? Less walking, more talking. More Divots at Divots? Something like that. That's pretty cool. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't have much more. I knew you. I know you want to talk about the sweater quickly, though. Yeah, no. Again, uh, get your sweaters. Forty bucks. We got black and gray. They'll be in here in the first part of September. Uh, five bucks from each sweater bought goes to the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan, which is very near and dear to my heart, my brother's heart, a lot of people's hearts out there. So uh, hit us up on our social media channels at underscore off the hosel on twitter and instagram and at off the hosel on facebook and uh let us know we'll get you a sweater yeah again congratulations to my brother troy i know mom dad family everyone in the world are now you know rev was rev was tearing up today too so he's very happy we're happy for you man just keep grinding keep that sick bastard cancer c word out of your life out of our life out of everyone's life you know what we're happy man for you and, and and keep grinding thank you um oh also quickly before we are gonna get we're working on a i didn't tell you yet an online catalog so of uh, things that i say or you say that we think is funny and trending for example i say um lots we're thinking of some shirts that say um you know or <laughs> take 48 on our camera stuff there's some funny stuff in here that we can make and uh be a lot of fun anyhow Troy, it's always a pleasure. You too, Drew. Um, Eric Griba next week from Kindersley, Saskatchewan, former NHLer. You're an Oilers fan. Should he played be a there. Fun one. Oh, he's a weapon. Uh, other than that, we'll leave it there. And yeah, man, take care. Enjoy your uh, your day. Let's go, Web. Peace. See you guys. I did take off the I also took Marcala and the Reverend while we selected Burger for him. Daniel, Daniel. No brainer. God. It's Webb's Day. I want Tesori and Regina. It's Webb's Day. <laughs> Good one. Have a great Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Take care, guys and gals. Peace. Love you guys. Follow us on Twitter. Peace.